All righty. Welcome, everyone, to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. This is our first YouTube Hangout, and um, we uh, today are going to have a discussion on uh, with, uh, there's some atheists that um, I have uh, been in contact with and have uh, agreed to come on the show, so I want to thank them for uh, joining us today. Uh, we wanted to uh, have a discussion. I wanted to, uh, often atheist and Christian discussions uh, tend to uh, s- centralize around um, the obvious, you know, difference between us, the existence of God. But uh, since that is most commonly um, the discussion, and, and that's probably where this discussion today will go to, but I wanted to start off with maybe a little bit of a different focus today and um, and look at some of the differences between uh, the Christian worldview and the atheistic worldview uh, when it comes to us as human beings, who we are, uh, our makeup, uh, do we have a will, do we have the ability to reason, how do we account for those things. And so um, I asked um, uh, Chris, uh, Christopher, uh, an atheist, uh, to come on and join me. We've been in contact before. We have uh, communicated. Uh, we've actually dialogued via the Bible-thumping wingnut. For those of you guys that uh, um, are not familiar with the Bible-thumping wingnut, I would uh, encourage you to check them out. Uh, so we have uh, dialogued over there um, and uh, also invited uh, the realistic nihilist to join us today also. Uh, he had emailed me a couple weeks ago and asked if uh, we could do a discussion sometime. So I invited him on today, which should uh, make this uh, dialogue interesting. Um, so I'm going to, uh, without further ado, just going to go ahead and bring Christopher um, into the broadcast. And uh, just, uh, Christopher, uh, I just unmuted, thought I unmuted your mic. I'm clicking unmute, but it doesn't seem to be unmuting you. Uh, Christopher, you may have to uh, disconnect and rejoin. For some reason, I'm clicking on the the uh, unmute button for you, and it is not unmuting you. Oh, click broadcast? Okay. Show and broadcast. There, there we, we go. go. Now I have control over my mute. When we're not okay. on, when we're not live and I'm not broadcast, you can mute and unmute me. Okay, I got you. Live, you need to broadcast me. Okay, but um, good morning. <laughs> yeah, good morning, Christopher. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. So go ahead and just give our listeners, just a brief introduction for yourself. And actually, I don't, I mean, this is going to be, you know, I I don't know you that well myself other than, you know, I've seen you on the Bible thumping wing nut. And so I'd like to, you know, know a little bit more about you myself. So go ahead and just give us a brief introduction for yourself. Sure. So my name's Christopher Mowdy. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. And um, 
there was a while where I had a, a, a podcast or a video podcast or just a show, whatever you want to call it, on YouTube called Meeting of the Minds. I did that for about a year and a half. And um, it initially started in the framework of the New Covenant Group, which is also a broadcast network. Um, and then I eventually did it on my own. And the, the point of it, as the title kind of uh, betrays, is I wanted to come to a meeting of the minds with people I disagreed with, whether they be theists, deists, atheists, or whatever. And, uh, you know, it was a, an ability, it was an opportunity to disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, I, am, uh, I consider myself an atheist. Um, on, you know, some days I consider myself an apatheist. Um, I don't really care much for labels so long as in each other's positions. Um, what else? That's, that's about it. I manage a laboratory that studies psychology, the psychology of olfaction, of smell, and, uh, and that's it. And I like uh, having these kinds of discussions. Well, then you should be uh, well-equipped to have uh, this discussion when it comes to um, if you've uh, had some training in psychology, um, you might uh, actually even be better equipped uh, than I am. I'm just, uh, I'm just a lay Christian who just loves studying theology and uh, philosophy and, uh, and love dialoguing and talking with other people about my faith and, uh, and the differences of the Christian worldview um, with the atheistic um, worldview. So uh, the reason I, I actually wanted to talk about this particular topic um, really has to do with um, a lot of things that are going on in the news today and in our world mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, a lot of the terrorist, terrorism that's going on, sure. um, a lot of the evil actions uh, that, that men are doing against other men. Uh, this has obviously happened throughout all history, but this is obviously in the forefront of our minds right now with a lot of the things that are going on. And so the first question I wanted to kind of discuss, Christopher, was um, from your worldview, the not God position, mm -hmm. um, how would you as an atheist account for evil in the heart of man? In other words, um, as a Christian, we have a doctrine, uh, which you may be familiar with, uh, known as total depravity. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have a particular view on why man uh, has um, the, the heart that he does. Why does he have this propensity towards evil and what causes and what is behind man uh, what is what is the cause behind uh, men who do you know evil acts upon other men? Um, how do you, as an atheist, um, how do you account for basically evil in the heart of man? So, um, a couple of things. Uh, myself, I'm sure that there are others that would disagree that there is an atheistic worldview. Um, so I can only speak for myself. And, you know, my worldview, um, my worldview is more shaped by the positive philosophies that I uh, engage with, which would be secular humanism, which makes positive claims about existential and metaphysical questions and, and things like that. Whereas atheism is just the negation of one particular slice of the, the pie chart of, uh, of, of a worldview. That being said, um, 
answering uh, why there is evil in the hearts of men begs the question that there is evil in the hearts of men. And that taps into morality. And um, I have to admit that lately I've been charmed by the notion of moral uh, nihilism. Um, I don't necessarily think that there are universal good or bad goods or bads. Um, I think that there are behaviors that either move towards or away from goals that you have and, and that, uh, and labeling things as good or bad depend on what the goals are that you have. Okay. Then from your position, so uh, can I briefly engage with sure. that? With those go. statements. Yeah. Um, so from a moral nihilistic position, so let me make sure I'm understanding your position correctly. Um, you would be saying that there are no true moral statements. Would that be your position? Um, I would be reluctant to, no, I haven't thought this completely through. Like I said, uh, I'm recently charmed by the notion that there is really no such thing as morality. There are merely behaviors that move towards or away from goals. Okay. So what then going back to the original question with the evil that I would, as a Christian call evil, mm -hmm. um, the actions of, uh, of wicked men, as I would say <laughs> upon others, killing them and, uh, blowing them up and things like that would you what would you call that then from a position of moral nihilism what what do you say about that is there anything inherently wrong with that objectively wrong with that is it you just don't have an opinion uh what what how would you address these things in the world that are going on today well uh couched in the way that i explained uh how I understand moral nihilism is that there, there, there really aren't morals. There are merely behaviors. Um, the goals that I have, I happen personally to have goals of making the world a better place for future humans. That is a goal of mine. A uh, goal of mine is not to um, engage in unnecessary harm to others, um, is for well-being for all, right? So since those are my goals, anything that thwarts them, um, I would consider moving away from those goals. So if you wanted to put it in moral terms, I would they would be considered bad. So what accounts for it? Natural selfishness. Okay, so would you say that um, your, your particular goal that you're saying here is the, the least harm, would you say that's a better goal than the, uh, the goal of the, uh, the terrorists? Least harm. Um, well, it depends. Uh, the least harm goal is a short-term goal for the long-term goal of making the world a better place for all humans, which encompasses religious and cultural plurality. So uh, that works for me. Um, there are others, of course, the people, not of course, but more recently, the people who are engaging in the, the terrorist actions are of a certain religious uh, belief. Um, own wolves or cells or whether they are representative of that religious belief. And, you know, just so that we're not talking in code, we're talking about Islam, we're talking about Muslims. Um, even though they may not be representative of that religion, they are doing it in the name of religion. And so they may have an overarching goal of making a Muslim a global religion and uh, acting against people who are apostates or who go against what their culture determines is morally good or bad and suffer and making people suffer the consequences for doing the things that they, their culture and their religion deem as bad. 
okay, so your goal is to make the world a better place, and the Islamic goal is to the terrorist goal is to make it an Islamic place, right? So well, to them, to them, that might be a better place as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. But from your position, is is one of these better than another? Is one of these goals better than another? Objectively, no. Okay, so you would have no uh, basis by which to then talk to somebody that is a terrorist or anyone else that engages in has a has a different worldview than you do, or at least when it comes to. Um, you know, your purpose here. You know, you're saying your purpose is here to make it a better place, but somebody else says, well, I'm a hedonist. My purpose is, here is to, you know, bring self-pleasure. Um, do you, from your position, do you have anything that you can say um, and discuss by saying that your position is better than his? Or you just say, okay, well, that's your preference. I really have nothing to say about that. Um, so this works on several levels. You can be a hedonist and a contributing member to society. If you are a hedonist that is not a contributing member to society and is, you know, uh, in being a hedonist, you will probably cause self-harm, whether it's through gluttony or through promiscu- uh, promiscuity or, you know, whatever your, whatever your pleasant, whatever causes most pleasure to you, right? Hedon and hedonism and hedonics is all about pleasantness. Uh, and pleasure. So, um, you know, you can be a hedonist and a contributing member to society. And so long as you're a contributing member to society that meets my goals, um, as far as influencing me and my family and the people I care about, you can do whatever you'd like. Um, if, uh, and that's the, the nuclear version, right? If you, so long as your hedonism doesn't impact me, my family and my friends, then you, you can have at it. Um, so let's say you have a member of your family who is a hedonist who does cause harm. Let's say he, you know, he thinks that, uh, you know, raping small children is what brings him the most pleasure. Uh, would you have, would you have, what's that? That's a ridiculous example, but okay. Uh, okay. Well, um, okay. But there are people that do that, right? So I don't know why it would be a ridiculous example. Other um, people in this we, world. We that... went from we went from hedonism to sociopathy and pedophilia. Okay, but let's even just say that. So, so let's say that there is a person that has that particular outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Would you once again would would you tell them that your position is objectively better than theirs, or that's just their personal preference? Just like you just explained, the hedonist um, would you know that's just his thing as long as he doesn't bother me. Okay. Well, that's where uh, personal morals shift to uh, societal morals. And societal morals um, are more utilitarian from my perspective, right? Uh, personal morals should be, you know, if, if you believe in morals or, or, as I would say, personal behaviors that move towards or away from goals are much more um, hierarchical or what's um, there's a word I want to use I can't think of right now. I can't think of this word right now. It's self-actualizing, self-actualized uh, behaviors that move towards and away from goals, right? That's that's my that's where I personally work from. In the society in which I live, the moral code will be uh, codified in laws that are utilitarian. What is the what is the greatest good for the most people? So, 
from my since my personal goals are not to rape children for fun, if a family member of mine um, was doing that, then I would address them based on how I understood things. Um, from a legal perspective, they would be causing harm utilitarian-wise because they are not producing the most good for the most people. They're producing the most good for that one individual. And that just works against the society in which I feel comfortable maneuvering in. Oh, okay. But you're saying that society here is is the determinative um, on whether <clears throat> something should be, you know, so let's say somebody says, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that society is the one that determines because it sounds to me kind of like you're begging the question a little bit here. You're still assuming the greatest good is the objective standard. And so you're saying that when somebody goes against what is the greater good of humanity, then mm-hmm. uh, then society should, uh, in fact, um, have uh, laws and things in place in order to um, to take care of those people who don't have this standard, which you're saying is not objective, but it seems to me you're applying it objectively. This, the greatest good standard that you're trying to use. Since we live in a democracy and I get to vote for policies and um, I get to choose where I live. uh, If I choose not to live here in this democracy, I can choose to live in other ones that have different rules. Um, What I'm saying is my greater goal of making the world a better place for everybody, um, for future humans, that will be met by um, the way that I vote, the way that I vote for policies, the way that I vote for people that uphold certain policies, and it'll reflect the society in which I choose to live. I choose to live in a society that shares the behaviors that move towards the goals that I have. Okay, but that seems to be like you're still just simply assuming that the greatest good is the best standard is is the objective standard that we should hold to well no I, that's I, that I made a, I made a, everything that I, you're saying i made a distinction between my uh my self-actualized goals from which i work like i will i will behave based on my moral compass right and, and i expect reciprocity it's a social contract that i have with others that they will do the same um and if that moral compass of theirs goes against mine and and breaks my personal and social boundaries, I will uh, act accordingly. In society at large, I think that it goes away from self-actualized because I don't think that everybody has the same goals or has the same motivation or has thought about what their goals and values are to the extent that I have. Um, I think that it's more necessary. It It is pragmatic for it to be more utilitarian in society. So, is it is it objectively uh, something that we should all do is to be reciprocal to others who um, look for the greatest good? Because you just you did say that um, mm-hmm. you know other people need to um, engage in reciprocity when it comes to your you know you're going out there. Your goal is to be uh, to bring about the greatest good, and so other people should be reciprocal to that. So. Is that is that an objective claim that people ought to be reciprocal, or is that uh, is that just something that you prefer? That Once again, that way, I'm going to frame this according to goals. If your goal is to have a society that works, reciprocity is one of the mechanisms that'll facilitate that. Okay, so that's more pragmatism. So you're just saying that if if it works, that's what makes it good. No, I'm not I'm not applying the word good. 
Okay, but you you did say that if you want a society to work, you have to do it in this way. So that's what determines well, your. That's, that's not actually what I said. I, okay. I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't use the phrase "have to." I said that uh, uh, one of the mechanisms that facilitates a society that works is reciprocity. Okay. Does a society need to work? It depends on what your goals are. If you want humanity to exist, and then we're getting into what some would deem um, uh, a biological value, right? Then, then we're going to get into ideas of like Antonio Damasio and other neuroscientists that say that survival is the base assumption, biologically speaking. So in order to survive, uh, we are social creatures. So that means that we need to have a society that facilitates the spreading of our genes, the selfish gene idea. So, I mean, you, you can get into those. I mean, if you're, if you're asking me objectively what morality is, my straight up answer is going to be, I don't know. But what we're doing right now is having a discussion about how I understand it up to this point. And uh, I reserve the right to change my mind based on studying it more. Okay, that's fine. Um, the next question I, I just wanted to ask, does the word evil, does that mean anything to you? Is it, is it meaningful within or good or bad? Is, are those words meaningful to you? Well, let's, let's stick with just the word evil at this point. Is that, is that meaningful to you within a moral uh, nihilistic position? No. So that's a meaningless word. So you um, wouldn't actually call well, I, what terrorists are doing as evil? No. Okay. It's just what they do according to their, um, you know, they're just the result of naturalistic processes. So it's just the result of naturalistic processes in their brains. That's just what they do. It just is. It's, that's just the way it is. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. So, um, Okay. Now, now, if you're asking me what the value of what their behavior is, then I have a different, then I have a specific answer to that. I don't think that it, it, it goes against the goals that I have. I think that it go, goes against the goals of most societies, um, and it goes against the uh, biological value of survival. So this, this is really actually why I wanted to kind of have this discussion, because I, I don't think, uh, this is just my opinion, but... I do not believe that uh, our society today, as it becomes more secularized, and, and many people have kind of the same view that you do, mm -hmm. is that our nation today and uh, many other Western nations are losing because they're, they've, lost the, they've lost the concept of, uh, of God as being the moral arbitrator they can no longer meaningfully address evil. And so that is why I believe in a lot of these cases, when it comes to, um, we look at, uh, even after Islam, you know, does, uh, as from my Christian worldview, evil acts all over the world that our media and a lot of people will still purport Islam to be a peaceful religion um, and they they doesn't seem to me that they have a world view in order to actually in to engage with what's going on and actually call evil what it actually is and that is that which goes against the character of God and um, and is inherently uh, evil and that word actually has meaning 
And so what does losing mean when you say the nations are losing? Well, I mean, I think a lot of, uh, you know, as our, as many nations, especially in the Western uh, nations, lose uh, the concept of God, they lose that moral bearing in order to actually call something evil. So that's what I mean by when, when we lose the grounding and the foundation uh, in our minds, when we abandon that concept, uh, we don't have grounds anymore by actually even calling what is going on evil. We have no we have no moral grounding for that. In fact, this even goes back to, I believe, at the Nuremberg trials, um, the Nazis uh, said that well, what they did was not evil because uh, there is no objective standard. So their society determined it was good, and since society uh, can, you know, determine uh, for themselves. Uh, you know, what is, what ought to happen, then they did not violate that standard and there was no reason for nations to prosecute them. So, well, going... And that, and that sounds like it's a, <clears throat> it mostly has to do with framing, right? And when you talk about morality, you can talk about the me versus us kind of morality, which is like the hedonistic, within my culture, why should I not do what I want and why should I do what's the best for us collectivist is a me versus and then there's the word is the us versus them as the world becomes more we understand that within cultures they think that they're being reasonable within our culture we think that we're being reasonable there are some overarching um, things that we would call moral about, you know, having to do with like murder and, and uh, suffering and stuff like that. But the details um, are very different between cultures. And so how do we, how do we deal with the morality between tribes? And oh. I think that that's, that's much more difficult to deal with. And I don't think that anyone has an answer. And if your answer is Christianity, then you would have to globalize your version of Christianity in order for your utopic vision to uh, come to fruition? Well, I don't have a utopic vision. I, I don't think that this world's ever going to become Christian, I, but I believe that the Christian God determines the standard. So this comes back to, you know, do, do you think, so let me ask it this way. So since your your position is that society, it sounds to me like you don't know, you don't really have a position on whether one society ought to um, to tell another society that what they are doing is is wrong and they should cease from those particular actions because their own society approves of that. And this goes back to my original premise. I don't think the our Western society any longer has a worldview that's capable of dealing with other societies who who are actually engaging in objective evil, but they don't have a worldview in order to deal with it. And uh, I think your last statement kind of proved my, my premise there and my thesis there because uh, you just, I think, uh, let me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you did say that uh, there needs to be more thought and you don't really know whether one society ought to um, impose itself upon another one and correct what they deem from their society to be to be wrong did i understand you correctly on that 
Yeah, I'm not in a position of uh, foreign relations where uh, my goals and values are to be imposed onto others. Uh, for the societies that resonate with the goals and values that I have, we will, uh, you know, not we as in me personally, but my, the society that I live in and the society that they live in will become allies in fighting against societies that um, cross the boundaries of what we consider morally correct. And correct. Okay. So would you say it's objectively wrong for one society to impose its morals upon another? No. Okay. So you wouldn't have a problem if a society actually did that, though? They can try, and then we will see what happens. Yeah. But you wouldn't have any objection. Like, you wouldn't say they ought not to do that. They ought not to do that. Um, based on the structure of the society I live in, if they were to cross a, uh, a boundary based on the goals of that society, there would be consequences via justice. But you would just say that's just the way it is. It's not that they, it's, it's wrong for them to do that. So when, when a terrorist comes over here and you know, flies planes into the World Trade Center, uh, you know, it's not that they ought not to do that, but you know, there, there might be consequences for them if they do that like you know we might bomb out are you speaking objectively or are you talking objectively or based on my goals no i'm speaking yeah i'm speaking objectively is is there is there uh, ought they not to do that because if you're if you're just saying your own personal subjective goals you know that's your own subjectivity that only applies to you um mm -hmm. so so to, so to an extent objectively yeah Okay. Yeah, to, to an extent it, it does. Um, it is also shaped by the culture I live in and shared by the people in the culture I live in, such that the justice system uh, uh, will punish people who don't uh, you know, abide by the structure that is set in place. The structure that is set in place is utilitarian, and the structure that is set in place is to uh, move forward the goals of that society, of which I share some, but not all. Um, that being said, if somebody were to from a different society or culture were to come into the society and culture that I live in and um, act in a way that is punishable, which is against the goals that, to, that are uh, non-utilitarian, that are not for the greatest good of the greatest people, then there are consequences. Should they? Uh, from their perspective, they should. From my perspective, they shouldn't. Is that objectively wrong or right? I'm, I'm, I don't understand. I don't have the knowledge to make the uh, uh, claims of what is and is not objectively right or wrong. Would you ever oppose anything within our society that, um, you know, like actively work against? Would you ever oppose anything within our society that that would go against your own subjective, um, your, your own subjective greatest good standard? I do every time I vote. Okay. But why would you impose your, your standard on somebody else by voting. I'm not, uh, I'm not Im imposing. I'm flexing my right to okay. do so. I'm given that right in the society I live in. And um, by voting for people who have a platform that resonates with me and not voting for people that have a platform that doesn't resonate with me. And of course, it's always a lesser of evils because I don't really want most of the people that are placed before me. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, you know, that's how I, that's how I, um, that's how I act against the people that are doing things that I don't like. Okay. So if, if somebody else came along and said that, 
you know, your vote um, goes against, you know, my own personal preference. You're you're working against it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like that. Okay. Is that um, is that something that you're still willing to do from your from your position that it's just subjective and and you should not impose your your beliefs upon others? So I shouldn't vote according to my conscience because another person disagrees with me. Well, I mean, it would it be would it be objectively wrong to do that? Would it be objectively wrong? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to go back to what I said. I don't really have the knowledge to determine what is objectively right or wrong. Um, so I guess I'll say I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this. This is the next thing. So I'm assuming you're uh, a materialistic naturalist. Is is that correct? What does that mean? In other words, would you say that... Um, that we are the result. I mean, obviously, I would assume you believe in evolution. Is that correct? I do accept evolution. Okay. So um, the scientific theory of evolution. Okay. Yeah. Would Would you say that um, we are simply the result of you know um, natural processes, uh, chemical reactions? That's what we are a result of. Excuse me, I'm drinking seltzer over here and it's giving me gas. A little agita too. Um, I, yeah, as it stands right now, I don't have any reason to believe that there is anything other than nature. Okay, so for you, all that exists is what is material. You don't have any grounding or justification for anything that is immaterial. Oh, sure, I do. Um, electromagnetic force. Uh, well, that is part of the. Uh, electromagnetic force is immaterial. Forces are immaterial. Gravity is immaterial. Nuclear, weak and strong nuclear forces are immaterial. Electromagnetic force is immaterial. They still exert force within space-time. So, like, for example, gravity just ignores space-time. So... I agree, but but that's not material. If you're, if you're, if you, if your definition, so just to clarify, if your Mm -hmm. definition of material are things that exist in space-time, then then yes, but that's not my understanding of what material is. Okay, yeah, I, I just find something as material as that which extends into space. So, I mean, you would, you would like, like for example, uh, you're, I'm sure, well familiar with Einstein's equation, mm-hmm. uh, energy mass equivalency. So even things that energy, for example, um, are... Um, and mass are equivalent. So, so anything that extends or exerts itself into space and time uh, would be considered part of the material universe. So that is those things, uh, you know, the strong weak nuclear forces, gravity, electromagnetic energy, all that, um, and, and matter itself is all that you believe exists, correct? You don't have any justification for anything outside of that. Um, right now, well, of course, I believe that consciousness exists. And as to whether consciousness is completely born out of material, um, I mean, that is the, the theory that I'm working from. But the mind-body dualistic position, I think, uh, I don't think is a fruitful one to move forward with philosophically. I think that mind and body, um, to answer your, your material immaterial question, um, 
I think that, that was actually the very next thing I wanted to go to when you brought up consciousness. But yeah, keep on going. Yeah, my, I think that the mind, but the dualistic position is fruitless when it comes to trying to understand consciousness. Okay, so if it's if that's fruitless, then consciousness is some somehow uh, simply natural processes occurring within our minds. Yes. Okay. Okay, so if you know, we're simply natural processes occurring, then then man, what man does, the actions that he performs, for example, I'm a Christian theist, okay. you're um, a professing atheist. So you're simply a professing atheist because of natural processes in your mind, and I am a Christian theist because simply because of natural processes in my mind. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then why are you here having this discussion? <laughs> because um, because you asked me to. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be the question, you know, uh, Christopher, from, from your worldview that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just a Christian theist because my brain fizzes that way, and you're just an atheist because your brain fizzes that way. You know, uh, why oh, that's do you join a, the Bible thumping wingnut and and have discussions with Christians and <laughs> you know oh, because I have, I have behaviors that are motivated by intent. Okay, but intent assumes will again and assumes uh, things like uh, you know consciousness and mm -hmm. I I would you know and, can and you provide any sort of explanation about you know a rock doesn't have has being but it doesn't have consciousness it doesn't have intent it doesn't and that's just a natural thing uh, sure. sodium um, mixing with vinegar you know doesn't it's just a natural process it doesn't have an intent when I shake a can of you know Dr. Pepper and mm -hmm. I pop the top that doesn't have intent Dr. Pepper oh yeah. <laughs> I can use a different all, example if you all want. All the sodas. I had to pick Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> but if I shake it, you wouldn't say that that has a particular, uh, and pop the top, you wouldn't say that that can of soda has a particular intent, right? Of course not. No. Okay, so why do we, why did you, why do you have intentions if you're just a natural process? Well, if you're going to talk about consciousness, I'm going to go ahead and throw my hat in with all of the other great thinkers of the past several uh, centuries and say that I don't have the answer for consciousness. The current answer that resonates with me the most is the, uh, once again, the idea put forth by Antonio Damasio that um, within nature, there are things with and without nervous systems of the things with nervous systems that have evolved. Um, to have central and peripheral nervous systems like we have. Um, we have uh, predictive map-making uh, tendencies, and these map-making tendencies facilitate our brain to be more efficient, and that uh, is what mind comes from. And then through evolution, we've come through uh, several phases where the mind has certain forms of self, and humans happen to be the... Um, the manifestation of how a autobiographical self comes to the mind that is born out of predictive models and mapping that occur within our version of nature, which has a nervous system. Yeah. So if I understand you correctly, you just described the natural system, nervous system. So you're just assuming consciousness. It didn't really give an answer for consciousness. What do you mean? I'm assuming consciousness. 
Well, you're just, you didn't give me a reason for why we have consciousness. You just said that, uh, you know, things that have a nervous system seem to have at least some level of self-consciousness and self-awareness, but that just, that's, that really just assumes it. That just begs the question. Oh, sure. Um, you're right. So my answer, uh, I did give my, an answer and the answer was, I don't know. Okay. The theory that currently that resonates with me the most right now is that consciousness is the emergent property of this um, autobiographical self coming to the mind that exists in the brain, which has a patternicity of uh, predictable models and predictive mapping and, you know, that central nervous system all the way back down. Now, would you agree going back? Because now we've had two discussions kind of uh, we've had, one, you know, one discussion on uh, morality. Mm hmm. Um, and we've had a discussion on consciousness. Would would you agree and concur with me that the Christian worldview does provide the justification for those types of things? Uh, consciousness, for example, does the Christian worldview, in your opinion, justify that? Um, since I, since my answer to uh, where did morality come from and what is morality is I don't know. And what is consciousness and where did it come from? It is also, I don't know. Exactly. I, I will say that uh, Christianity provides an answer to each of those. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so then my question would be um, why, if you know, from, from your worldview, you don't have an answer for consciousness. Um, and when it, you know, even for the answer of morality, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. It's, it seems to me that you assume consciousness and that you do uh, even, you know, we did have some dialogue back and forth, but mm -hmm. from my perspective, uh, it, it seemed to me you kept um, assuming at least at some level, some, some things that men uh, should do. So, and and you can maybe disagree with me on that, but my my question would be is why do you assume consciousness and why do you assume at least to some degree a few oughts um, if if your worldview doesn't account for it? Why do you assume these things? Why don't you just relinquish your belief in them? Um, it seems built into your question that I need to have accounted for them in order to acknowledge that they exist. Okay, but... I think that would be the, the thing that you would ask for me as a Christian. You would say that I would need to account for the God in order to say that he exists, right? Oh, no, I don't know. That's, uh, uh, that's where I'm different from other atheists. I will never ask you to prove your God or to show why your worldview is better than mine. I'm not interested. That's where I'm, a, I'm an apatheist. Okay. All righty. Do you have any uh, questions? Let me see here. Um, I think we kind of went through... Uh, let me let me ask this this is one more question i wanted to have uh well i think i kind of touched on this but um we're going back to uh that we are just um you know you said you fizz atheism i i fizz christian theism well, I, did, I didn't say or, that <laughs> or you, that you so said that true. and i let it slide and started talking about uh okay the, so the how would you look at of the nervous then? system okay What's so, that? So then, uh, how would you describe it differently then, if if you don't like my analogy there? Um, well, you know, it's it is so reductionistic 
to say that, you know, uh, what is going on in our brain based on how I described it, which is very nuanced and sophisticated, and that's based on an understanding that may or may not be right, um, to just say, well, fizz. No, that's just like, well, you that might is so simplistic. Is that, is that what you're saying? It's just an oversimplification? Indeed, it's reductionistic. Yes, there are chemical yeah. processes that are going on, but we're not just the chemical processes. The chemical processes, from an evolutionary perspective, um, form, uh, serve a function, and that function is you know, uh, depending on what it is, right? So if it's appetitive or if it's aversive, then you have different neurotransmitters that are going on in your brain that either signal to move towards or to move away. And what does that do? I mean, and that's where the biological value or the genetic value of survival comes in. We are, um, uh, from a, from a strictly biological perspective, and I don't think that this is really something to build a morality on. We are strictly, you know, survival machines okay so uh you said you didn't make the comment here it says we are not just chemical processes Mm -hmm. and then you proceeded to describe several different chemical processes so if we're not just chemical processes Mm -hmm. what is it uh other than a chemical process that we are we are everything other than chemical processes and including chemical processes that facilitates the emergence of consciousness. What, what is that? You, oh, I, that? I've already, I've already admitted that. I don't know the answer to consciousness to exactly what it is or where it came from. Okay. It's, so you, know, you would describe that the other thing that we are more you're, so you're saying that we are something more than just mm-hmm. chemical processes. And mm-hmm. you would say that that diff, that thing that is more than just a chemical process is consciousness. Is that, is that how I'm understanding you? Um, no, uh, well, I don't know. That may be how you're understanding me, but um, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. Uh, okay. So chemical processes are one of the many different processes that occur in a human organism uh, whose goal is survival, or another way to look at it is life regulation. But that's just determined by its chemical processes, though, right? That's very reductionistic, right? Chemical processes aren't the only thing that are going on. Okay. What else would it be that's going on? There's uh, electrical processes, there okay. are behaviors, there are motivations and intents. Which are still um, natural processes. So, okay, so chemical... So you're, uh, you're reducing what? natural processes down to chemical processes? Well, no, let's, let's I mean, I'm, I was using that as a, um, let's, let's say electromagnetic, all natural processes. So the only thing, are we anything other than just natural processes? From my perspective, no. I have no reason to believe that we are anything other than nature. Okay. Okay. So that's where I was getting to, because it seemed I like you were you. saying that uh, there was something beyond. And when I meant chemical, I, I was using that as a, <laughs> idiomatically for just all I got I got So, um, okay. So if, if someone is, if, if someone is simply, uh, as, as we said before, just the result of natural processes. I'm I'm a Christian theist, and you're a you're an atheist. Mm-hmm. Would you say that men are in any way responsible for their actions? Now, I know that in their uh, responsibility assumes uh, an objective standard, but would you even use the word responsible at all? That men are responsible for anything, depending on the goals and values 
of the individuals and of the individuals within the society and the society at large that we live in, right? It assumes responsibility assumes an obligation. An obligation assumes that there is a society within which you are responsible for your obligations, right? And we are social animals. So as far as nature goes, we are a subset of nature that are social organisms. So within the framework of societies, how that answer would be, would be given. So if a society did not hold an individual, let's say, uh, guilty for the act of murder, let's just mm-hmm. use that as an example. If a society did not, your society specifically, did sure. not hold an individual um, guilty for murder, uh, would you object to that? If my so- well, it, it, you know, okay, without without getting too deep into the, it depends. Um, if my society didn't attempt to uh, pursue justice in the face of a murder, then I would I would consider that a wrong. Okay, but but how? You just said that it was based upon whether they went against societal norms. Why would you object to that? Because, as I understand your question, um, you asked if society didn't go against somebody who murdered, and you said my society. Well, my society does have a justice system that goes after people who murder. So if they didn't do that, they'd be going against the very structure that I uh, agree to live in in this society. Well, but that, okay, let's give you an example. I think, for example, abortion is murder. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that society um, is not, uh, you know, going against and and, uh, performing justice in this. So I'm going to do something now. Let's say that maybe at this point, uh, now I'm assuming you, you probably are a supporter of abortion. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Are, Are you or aren't you? I am a, a supporter of the availability of um, of abortion. Okay, so let's let's move it up a little bit. Let's say infanticide. Uh, I'm assuming that you are not a supporter of infanticide. The purposeful killing of children. Yeah, the same way as killing them in the womb. If they're not necessary, if they're not needed, um, um, if they're going to cause a problem in my life, they're going to be inconvenient. Uh, uh, we can eliminate them. You would you would object to that? Killing right? children due to inconvenience, mm-hmm. children that are born. Yeah, mm-hmm. children that are born the same way as no. people kill uh, unborn children for convenience. Okay. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that's right. Okay, you would say that that's okay. So if a society did that, uh, mm-hmm. if a if a particular society did that, I mean, we can even take examples of well, ob- there's obvious examples. You know, we have. Stalin, Pol Pot, you know, Hitler, the obvious examples of, uh, let's take Hitler society, you know, the German people as a society um, uh, didn't have an issue with uh, the extermination of of Jews. So would you um, oppose that society? And would you say that they're wrong? Okay. Yes. Okay. So why, if, if you're, if your standard, you were saying, if anything outside of yourself, outside of your own subjectivity, you, you were saying that your own uh, do the greatest good, what you think is the greatest good is, is your own standard, but that only applies to you. And when there anything that goes beyond that, that applies to other people, it, it's determined by what society, the society that you're in, 
So mm-hmm. if your society approves of that, then from your position of subjectivity, how can you oppose that? How, how can you oppose what would, what and would say that you're, Well, I mean, nothing's going to prevent you. Um, I would say that you would be reacting. Let's say you were reacting on an obvious injustice. Um, I would say that you would be acting consistently with the fact that God has revealed to you um, uh, moral oughts and that you're recognizing when people are violating that and you're demanding justice. But the concept of justice um, doesn't really exist if a society simply um, is what determines it. Because uh, justice then is, is a fluid thing that just moves based upon what society determines at that point. And different societies can have different justices. Yep. And so, so it would be then unjust for you. If society is the one who determines justice then it would be unjust for you to oppose society, correct? No. Okay. It's the society that I live in allows uh, its individuals to either uh, agree or disagree with the policies that are put forth. Okay, but let's say a society doesn't do that. There have been societies. Take, take Martin uh, Luther you know, King. Um, he, he stepped out and, um, and he uh, went against his society. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, engaged in protests and things like that. Was was that, according to you, is that something he ought not have done? No, he. I don't think it's what he ought not do. Okay, he can do that if he wants. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> I it's 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 interesting. I, I see your I see you kind of from my perspective. You're you're simply. <laughs> just moving all over the place and you don't really have any sort of uh, grounding for ever telling um, saying that anything or anyone is responsible for anything uh, at all other than if they go it against a societal norm and that's what becomes injustice well I, I accept many different frameworks right uh, from from my perspective, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, Jason, but you have a very specific framework that you um, have put a lot of thought and study into, and you very much think that that uh, justifies and um, or it gives justifications and warranted um, reasons for your beliefs, and you you very much think that from the language that you use, and please correct me if I'm wrong that your system also applies to others and that they're just in denial of it. Right. That, that would be correct. But I would say well, that, let me finish. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no I, I was, I was, I was talking about your worldview and I, I'd like for you to say what you have to say before I move on to mine. Well, what I was saying is I think you're actually, what, what you're doing is you're saying you're, you're actually doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. You have a worldview and you have a standard, which you are holding to just as much as I am. So, I don't think that that's really um, a distinction. Um, oh, indeed. I, I think, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a very good point. Uh, when, when, when it comes down to brass tacks, for me, it is man and then God. And for you, it is God and then man. So like the, where the rubber hits the road is the notion that I think that there are many different frameworks of which yours is one. And you might come from the position that there's really only one framework. And it accounts for why people think there are many different frameworks. 
Whereas my multi-framework perspective accounts for the fact that you have one of those many frameworks. Yeah. My particular framework, though, uh, and you have to understand this new problem, I'm sure you do, from under talking to other Christian theists, is that my framework um, is, is not uh, my subjectivity. I believe God has spoken. So mm -hmm. if God has spoken, I am just as much under obligation and responsibility to his oughts, the things that I ought to do, as is anyone else. And so um, with my presupposition, God has spoken. God has spoken in the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. Um, then you are correct uh, when it comes to do I believe that you or whoever else is not a Christian is simply suppressing that truth in unrighteousness, then yes, I, I, you know, I, I hold to my presupposition, and that is what my presupposition tells me. And I believe my presupposition can actually account for the um, um, the morality, which uh, it seems to me. I mean, you can you can correct me, but uh, it seems to me you're kind of dancing around and trying to avoid. And and when we were even talking about consciousness, the the worldview. Now, now the one no, thing I do want to make. I'm going to, I, before you make the next point, I'd like to, to yeah. interject a little bit. Uh, so I accept that you believe what you believe. I'm happy for you to believe it. Um, when you say that I'm dancing around things, uh, this, this is at least the third time that I'll admit that I don't know. And not knowing, having, not having the certainty that you have may not have value to you. You may want the certainty of being able to justify and account for the morality and consciousness. I'm not so brazen as to think that I need the certainty that it seems that you, um, you seem to be holding against me. Saying I don't know, one person's uh, inability to account for things is another person's being intellectually honest. I value being intellectually honest, and therefore I don't know is a completely acceptable answer because I would rather have questions that are unanswered than, un than uh, unquestioned answers. Now, would you say that you're certain that you don't know, though? Am I certain that I don't know? Um, am I certain that I don't know? That's, that's a weird way of phrasing things. Well, because uh, you were saying that I have certainty. So what I'm trying to expose is that you have uh, certain beliefs also. You have certainty. I believe that there are things that I am certain about. I believe that certainty exists on a continuum. I have maximal certainty that I don't know the answers to morality and consciousness. So then, okay, so you're saying that certainty is based upon a scale of probability. Is that correct? For all things that are possible, they are tethered to things that are probable. Now, is that is that a certain, is that simply a probabilistic claim in itself, or is that is that a certain truth? Is it certainly true, is it absolutely true, that uh, truth is measured on a scale of probability? Uh, Based on my predictive model, truth is provisional and certainty is uh, on a content is scalar. In, I know that's not a word; that's an inside joke. But yes, <laughs> so it's scalar. So that particular answer is not certain. It's just you you think it's probably true. It works. Okay. It, it I, I'm I'm as maximally certain as I need to be. It is a basal assumption. The things yeah. that you are that you claim certainty for, I just have a basal assumption about and work work forward from there.
Yeah. I mean, my my opinion would be is that you have to have certainty in order to actually exist in God's world. In other words, you have to assume the validity of induction, the laws of logic, uh, your ability to um, at least reason to uh, enough that you can actually function in this world, that your reasoning is at least trustworthy. Um, so I would say that you have certainty about those things. And if you didn't, um, that you could not function within God's world, which is from my perspective, I, this is, this is my position, Christopher, that all human beings have certain and absolute truths that they know they must actually know. And God has graciously revealed to them so that they can actually function within his reality because a, a being, a human being, a creature, um, as myself and you, we do not have omniscience. We do not possess um, all knowledge. So our ability to to apprehend and know anything to be certain is not possible from a creaturely non-omniscient position. And so what God has done is he has, from his own knowledge, because as creator, um, he obviously knows his creation, he has revealed to his creatures uh, the necessary things that they have to uh, he's revealed it to them so that they know it with certainty. Um, those things that they need to know in order to function within his reality. And so I believe, for example, that you don't question induction, that you don't you don't question the uniformity of nature. You trust in it and you have a certain knowledge and you believe it's true. You assume and believe the laws of logic to be valid and absolute. Um, and... Um, and you need those things in order to actually function within God's world. So, and, and I and I accept that you think that, and it seems coherent from your framework. Yeah. Alrighty. So, uh, any questions you have for me as a as a Christian? No. It seems like you're doing a great job, living life, being a good guy. Well, Please continue doing what you're doing for the reasons that you do it. That's uh, all those things are only by God's grace. So um, anything good that that from from my position as a, as a Christian, anything good that I do um, is is because God has graciously um, um, allowed me to do that. And um, uh, if I was left to myself, uh, if God left me to myself, that um, that I would. uh um, that I, I would, I would only do that, which is opposed to him and his own nature. Uh, and that God is gracious and he does save people. Um, alrighty. Well, it doesn't look like, uh, the realistic nihilist, uh, joined us today. Um, he said he was going to join in, but let's see if he emailed me back. Nope. I don't see any response from him. Was he, are you sure that he knew it was 11 a.m. Eastern? Well, I did say 11 a.m. in my email to okay. him, so, and he said it was good. So, maybe he had a rough night. Yeah, never know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all righty. Well, thank you, Christopher, for uh, joining in today. Um, I think my it was an interesting discussion. Um, mm -hmm. You're welcome to join in at any other time if you uh, want to do so. All righty. Well, I think we're just going to go ahead and end the broadcast from there. And uh, you have a great rest of your day, Christopher. 
You do the same, Jason. Oh uh-huh.